Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Make sure we all appreciate our mothers. My, I tell you, I've been married 12 years. In May, May 21st, 12 years, and I hit the jackpot. My wife is the best lady I have ever known, and she is an awesome mother to our five kids. With that little sidetrack, which my name is Josiah Grothy, and I would like to welcome everyone here, especially though, and a special welcome to those online or joining us for the first time on this Mother's Day. The mission and purpose of our church is uh, we are a gathered group of Christians who exist to give creating, creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples of Jesus Christ. We strive to love God and love others fervently. Men's Breakfast is next week, Saturday the 20th at 8 a.m. If you are interested in that, please sign up out in the uh, entry area. And next Sunday the 21st is Graduates Sunday, and it is also the last day of Sunday school for the summer. So that would be uh, after the service, no, nothing at uh, 11, 11 o'clock. Monday the 22nd at 6 p.m., there's going to be a hospitality meeting, a hospitality team meeting, and the elder nominee vote will be on Sunday the, Sunday the 4th, June 4th, and the bio sheets are in your bulletins that you would have gotten uh, at the door coming in. And then an update on the vote from uh, last week, I believe. All three deacon nominees have been affirmed to join the deacon team. Yeah. I hope they enjoy it and that it's, they bring a lot of great skills and to our, uh, to our church uh, leadership group. And then 5 o'clock um, uh, is a meeting review with Scott Eberderis. Uh 5 o'clock today, I am assuming. And the, Oh, that's right now. Okay, Scott, come on in. Oh, that's five minutes. I guess you get five minutes, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Wow, I was like, tonight I have an appointment? Wow. I thought it was a little weird on Mother's Day. Yeah. So again, um, Scott Aberderis, I'm one of the elders here, and I just wanted to take a moment and share uh, the heart and the vision of your elder team. Um, in recapping the changes over the past year, we've been uh, stretched, most definitely, but in that stretching, there's been a lot of growth. Um, we started the IPM process when Alan left over a year ago. We were blessed with having Adam and Stephanie here, walking us through this transition. Um, and we are moving towards the end where we will start putting our search team together for Pastor Next. So be praying for Pastor Next for us because God knows exactly who that individual is for this community. Um, we went to one church service, and the reason why we chose to do that as an elder board was for unity, to bring the, everybody together. We also went to going deeper portion, which was for discipleship making and spiritual maturity. Um, and then we looked at the past, where we were, where we are, and where we want to go and as a church family. So um, we kind of looked at those things, and, we're, and our emphasis really in May is going to be prayer, which we're doing right now. As a church, we need to be better prayer warriors. We need to be on our knees more and lifting up um, praise to our Lord, first and foremost, and then, you know, giving 
giving him what we ask of him and letting his will be done. But then in June, we are going to be focusing on events and community days. So in that, it's going to be initiating relationships and building into our community. Um, these are some of the examples that are already happening. So what's happening now? Um, the others are moving toward providing an atmosphere where relationships can happen and fellowship can take place. And that's based off of Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. You know, in, in also in Hebrews, it talks about encouraging one another. So we asked the committee to come forward and um, put together some plans to repurpose our foyer in the back. And they came and they knocked it out of the park. They had many plans. And we picked one, and how we came down to picking one was, if you didn't notice, over the last five, six weeks, we were placing items out there and moving the Welcome Center around, putting chairs, tables, little sitting spots for you. And we watched and seen how you reacted to that. So out of that, we were able to come up with a plan, which was presented at our family meeting two weeks ago. So if you weren't there, I'm here to say there's a... Um, there's a uh, plan. It's on a billboard. It's by the Welcome Center. Take a look at that. Um, take a peek at it because it's important because we will be, we're moving towards that. We, we are encouraging this church body to move toward it. So the project will be done in several phases. What it's going to first and foremost look like, we'll do some painting, um, just refreshing up the area out there, get a new Welcome Center, which is a movable Welcome Center. Um, putting some furniture out there as we get it, and then dealing with some of the acoustic issues out there, which was some feedback that we received from you at our family meeting. So that will take place over time, but we first, I want you guys to just hear why we wanted to do that. You know, we want to have fellowship. We want to have an atmosphere for that. It's amazing that the little things that we did out there to change is we've seen prayer happening in a, in a corner with couples, around a cup of coffee. Um, we've seen relationship building happening where, you know, where there's a space for that to take place, where you can have a one-on-one -on -one with an individual. The cost we talked about at the family meeting was about 45 grand. However, we already are not going to move forward with the phase of carpeting because the carpeting is really not that bad. So we're roughly going to look at about $25,000 to take to do what we need to have done. And if you got any issues or questions, please seek one of the elders out and talk to us about it. Look at that billboard again. And um, we, we are really encouraged. Everything that the elders have thrown out there thus far has been spirit-led, and we've been unanimous on our directions. We're giving it to you. You know, this is your church as well. Um, we, we can only go where he wants us, but we need your assistance in that. Um, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God of love, kindness, and mercy. Father, I ask that this church body would be um, more like you. We would love one another. We would be not about ourselves and how, you know, this may be not be good. This may not, well, how's that going to work? But we would look to you and say, you know, what do you really want? Do you want community? Do you want relationships to happen? Do you want spiritual maturity to take place here at WCC? so that we can go out and do discipling. Father God, we lay this at your feet. And if it's in your will, we pray that it would happen. And I ask this in your son, Lord Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.
And you don't have to come at five now. It is Mother's Day, and as, uh, as Scott said, we've been focusing on prayer, and that's what we'll look at when we get to the scripture reading this morning. But I'm going to ask uh, my, my favorite one, jo- Josiah. Where are you, Josiah? Yeah, my favorite one to come up. Stephanie's going to come up, and I would just want to ask her. She is a unique physician. That She's a wife. She's a mother, and now a grandmother. And uh, just her opportunity, I want to just ask her a few questions about how she prays. And so, here, I'll give you that. Thanks. Um, so, Steph, start off by saying, how do, you, how do you pray for your husband? How have you prayed for your husband? Well, um, before, before I say that, I would like to say that my mother taught me to pray. And from the time I was very young, and I take that as a lesson to myself that I teach my children to pray. So with that, um, I learned to pray for my husband more after we were married and after struggles. And um, uh, how do I pray for you would be um, focusing on what's eternal and asking the Lord to uh, establish Adam in faithfulness and holiness and that um, that he would have the strength to um to fulfill the purpose that God has called him to fulfill. And I pray for his protection, but more with a heart and a a desire to see him serve out the full number of days that God has appointed to him doing the Lord's work. So um, those are ways that I pray for you. And I, I also pray for our marriage. And in while I'm praying for him, I'm praying for myself as well. Um, I pray that God would help him to cherish me and that I would respect him because these are things that the Bible tells us about marriage. How do, how do you pray for our kids? Has that changed over time now that they're all out of the house? It has changed a little. Um, you know, when they were little, I would, I would pray about things that were more specific about the day. Um, and I think now it's transitioned to more with an eternal perspective. So I pray uh, for our kids' marriages. I pray for their uh, child-rearing skills at home, that they would raise their children and be faithful to shepherd their kids' hearts for the Lord. Um, I pray that the Lord would establish them in blamelessness and holiness in, at the coming of our Lord Jesus. That's scripture um, Second Thessalonians three thirteen, I believe. Um, those are the things I pray about for our kids. Now we got nine grandkids. What's that look like? Yeah, so it's a different world for our grandkids than it was when I was raising children. And so I think about all the evil influences in media and, and um, just even. Um, friendships in the neighborhood or uh, influences uh, when they're under a teacher. So I pray for the Lord to um, protect them from the evil influences of the world. And I, pr- I pray that the Lord would establish them holy and blameless, that they would come to know the joy of, the, of God's salvation at a young age so that they could serve him. And I you know, when, when my kids were young, I didn't necessarily pray that they would be pastors and Sunday school teachers and worship leaders. You know, I didn't discourage that. 
But now I pray for that for our grandkids. I pray that they would grow up to be missionaries and that they would take the gospel to their neighborhood or to their their country or wherever in the world that God would call them. And um, because the eternal focus there is that that uh, God's kingdom would increase. And I would love to be a part of that as I pray for our kids and our grandkids. And you hold a unique role, or you held a unique role over time because you've been a pastor's wife, but also um, like very involved in the church. So what does that look like for you when you think about this realm of the body of Christ in your prayers? So um, obviously I'm going to take specific prayer requests to the Lord. Uh, on behalf of people in the church, and I'm going to feel the burden um, as people go through suffering. And um, and that whole topic of suffering is something I didn't mention about my kids and my grandkids. Praying that God would train them up, you know, and sometimes it's the trials that they go through that's going to make them into the people God has created them to be in his image. And so I pray that for the church body as well, that as we go through trials together, as we go through trials individually, that God would create us into the people that, that uh, resemble Christ the most. I pray for love among the church body, that we would learn to love one another because that doesn't come naturally. Love comes from God and we have to seek to love one another. So I pray for that. And um, I pray that the church body would be established in holiness and blamelessness at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be looking for that. Isn't she the greatest? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Okay, that was all just the intro. If you have your Bibles, you want to go to First Samuel. We want to go to 1 Samuel, and we're just going to look very briefly at another lady um, in the Bible who is praying. And if you got a bulletin this morning, you'll see some sermon notes that are there um, that you can follow along. But I do want to give uh, just a, we're talking about Hannah, and there's a story. And I'm not going to give the whole story here. But I do want to um, lead into chapter 2 with chapter 1 and just kind of set the stage of why she's praying or the response of this prayer. So, first off, there's a problem. There's a problem. And you'll see that in chapter 1, verse 2. It says, now, now he had two wives. That's a problem. <laughs> one was Hannah. The other one was Paniah. And Panah had children, but Hannah had no children. That, that was a problem, because in that day, if a, if a lady didn't have children, it was almost like she wasn't even uh, a lady. Um, then if you go down to verse 5, but Hannah, uh, uh, he would give a double portion, so his husband would give her a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but Yahweh, God, had closed her womb. There's a problem, because, I mean, she couldn't have children. Not unless God did something. God closed her womb. So God was going to have to act for her to have a child. And then in verse 6, a little more of the problem, her rival, meaning her the other wife, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her. Irritate her. 
because Yahweh had closed her womb. So there's the problem. There's the problem. The second thing is there's a promise. There's a promise. So she takes this to the Lord, and she prays about this and everything. And this is in verse 11 of chapter 1. It says, And she made a vow and said, O Yahweh, or God of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a seed amongst men. So she's asking for a child. She's asking for a child. But then she says, Then I will give him to Yahweh all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come upon his head. So she's not just asking for a child. She's asking for a what? She's asking for a boy, isn't she? You know, only these things would have related to a boy. The boy would be dedicated to the Lord, the firstborn son, and the razor on his head would have been the Nazarite type of vow kind of thing. So she's, so she's making this promise. And I, I just pause there to say, you know, have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? God, if you will do this, then I will do this. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? God, if you do this, then I will do this. Now, sometimes those prayers aren't answered because God knows maybe that we won't fulfill our end of the bargain. Yeah, some are nodding their heads. Yeah, or sometimes those aren't answered because maybe we're asking for the wrong thing. Maybe we are truly asking for the wrong thing. So she she puts this out before God. And then what comes next is there's a pause. There's a pause uh, because she does have a child, a son, and she names him Samuel. And um, so in verse 21, it says, then the, then the man Elkanah, Elkanah uh, went up with all of his household to offer to Yahweh, God, the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she just said to her husband, I will not go up until the young boy is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before Yahweh and stay there forever. So there's a pause here. She's not going to give him up just quite yet. Verse 23. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do not do what is good in your eyes. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may Yahweh establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until he, she was, he was weaned. He was weaned. So there's a pause. So we've got a problem. Then there's a promise. There's an answer to the promise. Then there's a pause. There's a pause. Will she fulfill her, her, her promise to God? Will she do this? And then we get to the presenting. And we assume it's a few years later, a few years later, they're back, going back to Jerusalem um, to, a, to the festival as a family. But now she's with her husband and with little Samuel, little Samuel. And she said, and she's speaking to the uh, high priest, Eli, and she's verse 26. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am, a, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to Yahweh. For this young boy I prayed, and Yahweh has given me my petition, which I ask of him. So I also dedicated him to Yahweh. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to Yahweh. And then it says, so he, he, not she, he worshipped Yahweh there. And of course, she fulfills the promise that she had in the prayer, and she leaves little Samuel there to be raised and, and live in in under the care of Eli, the, the high priest. So that's the kind of the backstory to this. Going into chapter 2, when we have this beautiful prayer that, that Hannah gives that we have recorded here. And sometimes it's good to look at these different prayers that are in the Bible because it might show us a, uh, a pattern. 
it might show us some elements of the prayer that we can incorporate into our own prayers and that will help us as we pray unto God our Father. And so the first section, when I went through this, I saw four different things. The first section was that her her prayer is very God-focused in verses 1 and 2. It's very God-focused. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart, or my inner being, my whole self, exalts, means rejoices, in, in Yahweh. In is the most important word there. In Yahweh. Then it says, My horn, or my strength, is exalted, is raised up is raised up in, there it is again, in Yahweh, in Yahweh. So this, you know, the horn of battle and the horn of victory. And when you've won the victory, you raise up the horn and you blast it away. And then she says, my mouth speaks. So my speech is boldly, meaning it, it enlarges against or upon my enemies. So my enemies are boasting, but my speech is even enlarging over theirs. Because I am glad, I rejoice in, there's our word again, in your salvation. See how God-focused it is? It's all focused on God. The next verse, there is no one holy like Yahweh. There's no one holy like Yahweh. Um, God is sacred. Then she says, indeed, there is no one besides you. He's not only sacred, but he's solely, he's solely God. And then she says, nor is there any rock like our God. He's solid. He's solid. He's sacred. He's solely. And he's he's solid. So the first part of this prayer is very God-focused. And I would throw that out to you to say, um, if you start your prayers, start your prayers being very God-focused. Focus in on God and who he is. Most likely, it will change your prayer. It might even change the words of your prayer. It might even change the content of your prayer if you start off by saying, I'm going to focus first off like Hannah did. I'm going to first focus off on God and the greatness of my God. The greatness of my God. Now the second section, she goes into verse 3 through 5. I see God's requirements. And I chuckled a little bit here because I I was thinking, okay, she's a mother now and moms have superpowers. Did, did your mom have x-ray vision? Yeah, see, right through the walls. Supersonic ears? Yeah, mine did too. Oh, man, we couldn't get, there's three boys in the family. We just, we couldn't get, yeah. We, we had to figure out how to walk up the steps so they wouldn't squeak. And so we would, we, we'd try to figure out, because mom could hear us all the time, trying to get up to that cookie jar, you know? I kind of hear that here. She says, do not multiply speaking so very proudly. Let arrogance not come from your mouth. So the first thing mom says is watch out for pride. Watch out for pride. I don't know how many times that was said to me. Uh, It sounds like you're getting a little too big for your britches, boy. Yeah, watch out for pride. Why? Second half of that verse. For Yahweh is a God of knowledge and, and with him actions are weighed. Yeah, God knows. God knows. God hears everything. God knows. Second thing she prays for, she says in verse 4, she says, the bows of the mighty are shattered. It's like mom saying, watch out for self-sufficiency. See, they were trusting in their bows. They were trusting in what they could do with their bows. And he says, but the bows are shattered. And then it says, but those who stumble gird on strength. Those who fall down What do they need? They need help to get back up. 
Who is she praying to to help them get back up? God. God. God is greater than the bows. He's greater than the bows. So watch out for self-sufficiency. Our youngest. Our youngest. Ugh, our youngest. He, 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 oh, I don't know how many times I heard this. Dad, watch this. Mom, watch this. See what I can do. See what I can do. Woo, watch. I mean, okay. I am so glad that he's at a point now where he is, he is changed. And he's saying, wow, I get to see what God can do with my life. I'm watching what God is doing in my life. So watch out for self-sufficiency. And then she gives us one more, the greed one. It says, for those who were full, so those who were full, I mean, you can't have another bite. You were just stuffed. Hire themselves out for more, for food, for bread. Wait a minute, you're full. And you're hiring yourself out for bread. More, more, more. But those who hunger cease to hunger. So watch out for greed. Watch out for greed. Watch out for that. And I, I, I took a little sidebar here because I thought in our world, th this is the uh, primary example of greed in our world or the more, more, more in our world. How many of you have had an iPhone? Yeah, yeah I've never had one, but my, some of my kids have. But I just, so you had an iPhone, then you had a 3G then a 3GS, then a 4, then a 4S, then a 5, then a 5S, then a 5C, then a 6, then a 6 Plus, then a 6S, and not to all be done by a 6S Plus. And then you had an SE, first generation. Then you went to a 7, a 7 Plus, an 8, an 8 Plus, then an X, then an XS, then an XX Max, and then an XR. Then we go to 11. And an 11 Pro, then 11 Pro Max, then SE second generation. Then we went to the 12 Mini. We shrunk it back down again. Then we went to the 12, the 12 Pro, then the 12 Pro Max, then the 13, then the 13 Mini, then the 13 Pro, then the 13 Pro Max. There's a pattern going here. Then you had the SE third generation. Then you went to the 14, the 14 Plus, the 14 Pro, and the 14 Pro Max. Whoa. Yeah, watch out for greed, mom says. And then it, she ends with this. Well, what does the Lord require us? He requires us to be humble. He requires us to be on our knees. He requires us to be hungry. He requires, those are the things that he requires. Remember those things in your prayers, in your prayers. And then she ends with this, um, with this uh, personal experience. I speak from experience when she says, even the barren, me, even the barren, the one who could not have a child, the only way that I could have a child is for God to open up my womb for that to happen. Even the barren gives birth to seven. And the word for seven is a, a, in the scripture, that's a number of fulfillment. Of fulfillment. Someone is being fulfilled. So six days God created the heavens and the earth. Seventh day he rested. Everything was completed. So even the barren gives birth to seven. But she who has many children, you know, very prideful of how many kids she has, self-sufficient, see what I can do, see what I can do, and, and, and very greedy. What happens to her? She languishes. She's pines away, it says. She's, she's unfulfilled. 
Why? Because the focus is on the wrong thing. So may our prayers, may our prayers be, have God's requirements in them. The third one, God's sovereignty, six through eight. She goes on to say, Yahweh puts to death and makes alive. That's physical. Then she says, he bring, he, Yahweh, uh, he brings down to Sheol and he raises up. That's spiritual. Yahweh makes poor and rich. Whoa. That's the sovereignty of God. I kind of wonder what prosperity gospel preachers make of that one. Because Yahweh, God, makes poor and rich. Whatever station of life that you're in right now, that's where God has you. Be a Christian in that station of life. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises the poor, raises the poor from the dust. He exalts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with the nobles and inherit a seat of glory. And it's amazing, those verses right there, we have examples of those in the scriptures where God has done that. So she's praying in her prayer, God is in control. I got to remember that God is in control. No matter what situation I'm in, that God is in control. And then this last thing that she says, for the pillars of the earth are Yahweh's, and he sets the world on them. I mean, this is how much God is in control. I had to think about this one for a long time. God not only created the earth, the heavens and the earth, but also the pillars, the laws of the universe. Even the laws of the universe he, he created so that this world that he created and everything could set on the laws of the universe that are his. All of those are his. And so when you think of God in that frame, you know, is your situation that big? Probably not. And you're putting it into the hands of the ones who created the laws of the universe, created the heavens and the earth, and set them on them and set them in motion. And I think in our prayers, we have to remember that, that our God is sovereign. He is sovereign. And then the last one, uh, verses 9 through 10, she remembers God's provision and plan. The first line is the greatest in verse 9. He keeps the feet of his holy ones. He guards, he observes, he watches over. Those that are his, he will get to the other side. That's the great line. But then it says, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. So I put down there, he keeps, he keeps his holy ones, but he also silences those. Silence those that are against him. The next line says, for not by power shall man prevail. It's not by your power that you will ever prevail. Never. Those who contend with Yahweh will be dismayed. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. Yahweh will render justice to the ends of the earth. I, you know, I, I hate reading verses like that, but I also love reading verses like that because the Bible gives us both sides of the coin. Both sides about God. God loves, but also God is just. And God will render his justice. Um, he will render justice. And then this last two lines, Hannah says this, and, that's a wonderful word, and he will give strength to his king. He will give strength to his king. So he will not only render justice, but the same God will, will give a king. Now when she writes this, they don't have a king. They haven't had a king yet. They, they're, they're still in the time of the, kind of in the time of the judges. They don't, you know, King, King Saul, King David, King Solomon are not here yet. 
Um, and so she's writing about something that is going to happen in the future that God is going to provide his king, that God is going to give a king. And then it says, and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. Remember, exalt is to lift up and, and the horn is strength. And so this king, he's going to raise up in strength for them, in strength for them, in victory for them. Pastor Robert said this on Wednesday night. One of the greatest words that were said from the cross was, it is finished, a victory cry that is given. And so we have a God who renders justice, but we also have a God who will give a king. And when it says anointed there, that's the first time in the scriptures that it, it, it relates to the Messiah, the one that God is bringing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then it ends with, then Elkanah uh, went home to Ramah, but the young boy ministered to Yahweh before Eli the priest. And I want to just end it this way here. And it's a question to you. Is God keeping you? Are you one of his children? Is he keeping you? If, if you are, he's going to keep you all the way to the end. He's going to keep you to the day of glorification when you are standing before him face to face. Or are you still contending with him? Are you still contending with him? The somber words of Hannah, for not by power shall a man prevail. You will not prevail. You need to go to the Lord. You need to reach out to him. Don't rely on your bow. Don't rely on, the, on your own pride. No, we need to come humbly before our God. And He will keep you to the end. So I pray this morning that this prayer will help us. When we think of our prayers, that we would be more God-focused in our prayers. That we would remember the requirements that God has upon us of how we are to be. Uh, Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8, read that one again. We would remember again that we're praying to the God who is sovereign, who is in control of it all. And that we would continue to pray God's provision and plan. That He has a plan, but He also has provision. That He has given us a King, a Messiah, who can save us. We call out to Him, call out to Him. As we said, um, this month is all about prayer, and we want you to engage in prayer. And Aaron, come on back up. We want you to engage in prayer this month, and we want to give you places where you can engage in prayer. One of them is Prayer Week, May 22nd through 26th. The sanctuary is open during that time. It's a come and go kind of thing. I was thankful for those that came last time when we did this. We have prayer cards that we'll put up here on the platform that you can grab and pray. But we've added some time, 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning, noon to, noon to 1 each one of those days, and then a special one on Tuesday night from 6.30 to 7.30, and then on Thursday from 6.30 to 7.30 down in the rock room. Okay? Really encourage you to come to one of those and, and just join others in prayer. You can sit quietly in prayer. You can see others maybe that you know and pray with them. And, and in the back of your seats are prayer cards. 
And if you have a prayer concern you'd like others to pray about, make sure to fill one of those out. There's a basket on the Welcome Center and put it in there as we prepare for that week. That's one. Second one is be on the prayer team. And what the prayer team is, is you're making a commitment to say, you know what? I'm going to come in. I'm going to get an assignment this Sunday, either first, second, third, or fourth, or fifth Sunday. And on that Sunday, I'm going to come in early at nine o'clock and I'm going to meet with other people who are making this commitment. And we're going to meet in the library and we're going to pray for our services that day. We're going to pray for the people that walk through the doors of our church that day. And so this is an ongoing commitment, but here's another way that you can engage in prayer. And maybe this is just a, a way of, um, of just accountability to do this. The third one is all on your own. This is create a prayer triad, a group of three. You say, I'm going to get two buddies, two of my buddies together. I'm going to get two of my gals together. And we're going to make a commitment over the next couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And we're going to get together once a week just for prayer. And we're either going to do it on the phone, we're going to do it by video, or most likely the best thing is in person. And we're going to gather up specifically for the next three or four weeks just to pray, just to pray. And then the last one is next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, we have these going deeper classes. And next Sunday is the last one. We have one in this corner, one in that corner. We have one in the parent room. We have two downstairs. And even if you've never went to one before, the leaders in those groups are going to lead in a time of prayer. So it's a smaller gathering, but a time for the gather up and just take some of these things that are on your heart before the Lord. So those are the four different ways that you can engage this month in that. And then we want to follow up every one of these spiritual disciplines, every one of these discipleship practices by a follow-up session. And so on Sunday, May 25th at 5 p.m., weather-related, uh, will be under the pavilion. And we'll have a time of singing, we'll have some scripture, but it'll be mostly us sharing about what's happened in our prayer time. Maybe there's been an answer to prayer. Maybe there's a, there's, there, there's a new revelation that, of just how, how this has really impacted your life. Have you spent time in prayer? And so that'll happen at, out in the pavilion. If, it, if weather's related, it'll be in here, but on Sunday, May 28th. But we really want to encourage you to be a people, help us to be more people of prayer. To be a people of prayer. And thank you, ladies, for everything that you do, for the touch that you have on this church. It's, it's, I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. So let's stand, close in prayer, and we'll sing this song. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, for the prayers that are recorded in the Bible that help us to pray. So may we read again through Hannah's prayer. And may it shape some of our conversations that we have with you. Lord, we ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen.